Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents the conclusion of his series, Tools of Prayer for America. Today, we're going to finish with the last session in our series on tools of prayer for America. As we wrap it up today, I want to remind you that the genesis of this series was a prophetic dream that I had on the 6th of July, 2018, while Trish and I were visiting our daughter, Alicia, in New Orleans. And as a matter of fact, Alicia is with us here today, and she flies back tomorrow to her new home of Nashville. Amen. And in response to that dream that I had on their living room couch and the darkness I saw looming over our nation, I felt led of the Lord to develop and preach this series, which we call Tools of Prayer for America. That was back in the fall of 2018. In that dream, the Lord asked me to do three things. Number one, Issue a call to prayer for America. Number two, honor the prayers of our forefathers, especially those of President Abraham Lincoln. Number three, issue tools of prayer that Christians could use to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. As we began to approach this election season, I knew in my spirit that it was time to preach this series again. There is a darkness that threatens to overtake us as a nation. And in order to push back that darkness, we need to pray that righteousness, truth, justice, life, and liberty prevail in our nation. Especially in this upcoming election. This election, as we alluded to in prayer, is just about a month away, and it represents a tipping point for our country, more so than any other election that I've been a part of since I've been of voting age. And I know I've said this many times over and over and over again, but it simply cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overstated. Christians, It is your duty to set politics and personality aside and pray for and vote for policies that advance and promote righteousness, truth, justice, life, and liberty in America. If we pray for and we vote for these things to prevail in our nation, it will enable God to implement His agenda for America. If we don't pray and we don't vote, it will greatly hinder his ability to do so. So getting back to the dream, the Lord gave me a giant toolbox and asked me to issue tools of prayer that American Christians could use to pray for our nation. And the six tools that the Holy Spirit gave me in response to this visitation, this dream, are as follows. Number one, binding and loosing. Number two, the prayer of agreement. Number three, the name of Jesus. Number four, the blood of Jesus. Number five, fasting and prayer. And number six, 
Spirit-led prayer. Amen. Yes, of course, you can use these tools in your everyday life to pray for yourselves, for your loved ones, and for your fellow saints. And I'll share some examples of that as we get further into the teaching. But our ultimate focus today is to learn how we can use these tools to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. Amen. So far in this series, we've discussed the prayer of binding and loosing, the prayer of agreement, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and fasting and prayer. This morning, we're going to wrap it up with a discussion of something that I call Spirit-led prayer. Turn in your Bibles or in your devices to Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians 6.18. I'm going to be reading it in the NIV version. Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. I want you to notice that Paul alludes to something he calls praying in the Spirit. And we're going to unpack that as we go. And to do that, I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to see if we can learn what the Bible means by praying in the Spirit. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 6, and then verse 12 through 15. And I'll be reading in the English Standard Version. Number one, pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Here, Paul makes it clear that we as spirit-filled believers should desire to move and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And most especially, to operate in prophecy. Amen? Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now there's a lot in this verse, but the first thing I want you to see is that speaking in tongues is primarily meant as a form of communication with God. So by definition, speaking in tongues unto God is prayer, or sometimes it's called praying in tongues. So you put all this together and you can see from the word that the gift of tongues is primarily meant as a powerful tool of prayer, a powerful form of communication with God the Father. Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So in verse 3 and 4, there's a contrast made between prophesying, which edifies the church, and speaking in tongues, which edifies the individual. But it's not wrong to edify yourself by praying in tongues to the Lord, because Jude says in Jude 1.20, we can build ourselves up on our most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit. 
But if you're going to speak directly to a body of believers, it needs to be interpreted so they too can be edified. Verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. I want to hear the crickets there. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. You know, the King James says, I would that you spake in tongues, but rather that you prophesy. It makes it sound like you have to make a choice between tongues and prophecy. That's not a correct rendering of that passage. You don't have to make a choice. Paul makes it clear you can have both. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. All right, first of all, as evidenced by the crickets, <laughs> verse 5 contains a bit of a bombshell for some people. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Mind you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God is saying, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. It's hard to run from it because it's Bible. All right, hallelujah. But he wants us all to have this wonderful gift of tongues as a powerful tool of prayer, a powerful form of communication with God the Father. But Paul emphasizes in the same verse that the minute you speak in tongues unto men instead of unto God... It has to be interpreted so that they can be edified. Verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Amen. What I want you to see here and why I love this verse so much is because it makes it clear that speaking or praying in tongues brings with it Supernatural revelation, knowledge, prophecy, and teaching. All right, skip on down to verse 12 there in 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll keep reading. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Now, I believe verse 13 has a dual application. Number one, if you feel led of the Lord to give a message in tongues to a body of believers, you should pray for the interpretation so they can be edified. Amen? Number two, sometimes when you pray in tongues privately, you can ask the Lord for the interpretation of what you're praying about, and he will give it to you. I've had many times in my prayer life where I've been praying in the Spirit, and I could actually hear in English the words that I was praying in tongues. It's happened to me many, many times. Verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, the Amplified says, by the Holy Spirit within me, but my mind is unfruitful. Now that doesn't mean that your mind can't be involved. It just means that the origin of the prayer is not your mind, it is your spirit. So Paul says in verse 15, rhetorically, he says, what am I to do? 
In other words, how do I get my mind involved? Well, he answers his own question. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So I want you to see two things in verse 15. Number one, Paul refers to praying in tongues as praying in the spirit. And we see that terminology consistently used throughout the whole New Testament. And number two, it is scriptural to pray in the spirit first and then pray with your mind afterwards. I seldom pray unless I start off at least with three or four minutes of praying in the spirit just so that I can get my mind right so that what comes out of my mind is godly, on target, and powerful. Amen? So when I talk about spirit-led prayers, I'm referring to prayers that begin by praying in the spirit and then culminate by praying out in your known language whatever the spirit leads you to pray. This can manifest in a number of different ways. Number one, sometimes as you pray in the spirit, God will give you the interpretation of what you're praying, as we said earlier, so you can be encouraged, so you can know exactly how you're being led by the Holy Spirit in your prayers. Sometimes, and this is a wild one, this will even manifest in the form of a prophetic word to yourself. I've had it happen to me a couple of times. All right, number two, other times as you pray in the Spirit, you'll feel led to pray through, as the old Pentecostals used to say, until you feel a burden lift, until you know whatever you've been praying about has been accomplished in the Spirit realm. I've had that happen to me as well, as I'll share here in a minute. Number three, other times as you pray in the Spirit, specific prayers and declarations of faith in your known language will be birthed into your mind by the Holy Spirit. And these prayers and declarations will be more accurate, more powerful, and more focused than anything that can be birthed out of your natural mind. Spirit-led prayers can lose tremendous power in the spirit realm. They can advance the plans and purposes of God and they can thwart the plans of the enemy. Last part of James 5.16. If you would turn to James 5.16, we're going to read the last part of the verse in the King James Version. James says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, that's kind of King Jamesian, so I'm going to give it to you in the Amplified. The Amplified says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. This is especially true when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray Spirit-led prayers. Now, most of you know where I'm coming from. I got saved and filled with the Spirit when I was a teenager. So I've been praying in tongues for over 48 years. If you want to talk me out of talking in tongues, take your best shot. 
I've experienced firsthand the power and the joy that is released, the revelation that comes, the intimacy with the Father that results when you pray in tongues. If you understand this, if you get this revelation down in your heart, you'll start to pray differently. You'll pray more fervently, more accurately, more effectively, and more frequently. Amen. So endeth the lesson, at least the teaching part, as my Episcopal priest used to say. I'm going to wrap it up with three testimonies, personal testimonies. And I'm going to share three testimonies that mirror three of the things that I mentioned earlier that can happen when you pray in the Spirit. And I'm telling you, it's a wild ride. I believe these testimonies will encourage you to learn to pray spirit-led prayers as often as you can. Number one, I call this testimony a word from God for me, through me. On March 20th, 2005, when we were all still living in Louisiana, I had a powerful encounter with the Lord. And in that encounter, I received a word from the Lord in a most unusual fashion. As I lay next to my wife in the bed that night, I was caught up in a vision where I saw the Father God sitting on a huge marble white throne. The whole scene was a bit smoky and gray. I could see everything in front of me, but just not as clearly as I would have liked. Anyway, in response to the sight of the Father sitting on this enormous throne, I threw up my hands instinctively and began to worship Him in tongues. And I have to say, it was one of the most exhilarating feelings that I've ever had in my life. This went on for about a minute or so, and then suddenly, I heard myself begin to speak in English. I heard myself. It was like someone else had control of my voice almost. It felt like the word of the Lord was coming from the Father in such a way that I was speaking His words to me through my own mouth. And this is what He said, and I have never forgotten it. Today, I say unto you, I will fulfill the promise I made unto you. I will be true to the word that I spoke over you. I will not abandon you. I will be true to my word. Now, I don't have time to tell you why that word was so special to me and why it still is. But let me just say this. It prepared me for and sustained me through a very difficult season that saw me leave my military aviation career behind so I could devote myself to full-time ministry. It was a word that saw me through that difficult season. Number two, I want to talk about praying through for Bertie Lou. Praying through for Bertie Lou. And this is fantastic. While Trish and I were stationed in Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi, I was sent to Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio to train in a new jet aircraft. While I was there, our pastor's wife called me and asked me to pray for a lady that she worked with who had two golf ball-sized tumors, one 
in each of her breasts, and they gave her about six weeks to live. Her name was Bertie Lou. So that night, I went to my room, and I sat on my bed, and I prayed for Bertie Lou. I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I prayed in tongues into the night. After the hour mark, I lost track of time. I would pray in the Spirit, then I would quote the Word. I would pray in the Spirit, then I would quote the Word. I would say, I curse those tumors in the name of Jesus. Himself, Jesus, took her infirmities and bore her sicknesses, and with His stripes she is healed. And this went on for, like I said, I do not remember. I lost track of time until suddenly, somewhere in the night, I felt this burden lift off of my shoulders. And I heard the Lord say to me, it is enough, it is done. I heard those words. He said, you can go to bed now. I went to bed. I got up early because I had a flight that day. I went and flew my training flight. I come back from the training flight to see a red message light. Old-timey phones. Some of you don't even remember those phones. And the message light was blinking. And I picked up the phone. And it was Pastor Jane. And she said, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. That's all I could understand. She was just completely hysterical. So I called her back to find out that they went back in and did some more x-rays. And both of those tumors had completely disappeared overnight. And I remember when it happened. I felt it happen in the spirit realm. The moment that burden lifted, don't you know that those things shriveled up and disappeared in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Number three, last but not least, because this has to do with praying for America. I call it pray for America, pray for our leaders. So for the past five or six years, I have felt an urgency in my spirit, a calling, if you will, to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders. And this was well before I received the call to issue tools of prayer to the Christians of America. So I began to pray in the spirit for America in my study at the house, oftentimes late into the night. As I prayed for America during the summer of 2014, I found myself slipping into the prayer of binding and loosing. I started off praying in the Spirit and then ended up binding and loosing. And we discussed binding and loosing in the very first episode of this series. What I want you to see now is that the impulse to pray those prayers of binding and loosing came forth out of my spirit after I spent a lot of time Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. Amen. I found myself praying that the plans of the enemy would be uncovered, that darkness would come to light, and that the enemy's plans would be thwarted. I prayed that angels would be loose to protect our people, our leaders, our institutions, our infrastructure. I bound spirits of darkness and prayed that the assignments of the enemy against America would be canceled. So I prayed that summer into the fall and two days before 9-11, before the anniversary of 
I was again praying for America late one night in my study. And all of a sudden, I had this impression, this feeling that I needed to pray specifically for the personal safety of our U.S. congressmen and senators. And without really realizing what I was saying, again, sometimes when this happens, it's like another person that's borrowing your voice. I began to pray that any bombs that were fashioned to bring harm to our congressmen and senators would either prematurely detonate or fail to ignite. I'm like, where is that coming from? That's not coming out of my mind. That came out of left field. No, it came out of my spirit. Amen. I remember praying, Lord, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. They are Americans, and therefore I am praying for their safety. And when I prayed that, I saw an image of a well-dressed black man, and I knew in my spirit, I just knew in my spirit, he was a Democrat congressman. And I knew I was praying for that man. Two days later, after praying for that man, I got up early in the morning, and the first news story I read at 3 o'clock in the morning was a story about an attempted bombing of the offices of Democrat Congressman Emanuel Cleaver of Missouri, who at that time was the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. Someone attempted to throw two firebombs through the windows of his congressional offices. Listen to this. Neither of the bombs was able to penetrate the windows. Both bombs fell to the concrete below. And this is what the FBI said. With fuses lit, both bombs failed to ignite. Those were the exact words that I felt impressed to pray out in my spirit two nights before. Praise God, I had seen it all while praying fervently in the Spirit, and disaster was averted for this particular congressman. I often have wondered if I should have written him and said, hey, you know, I just want you to know God's watching out for you, but I'm not sure he would understand, so I didn't. So in conclusion, let me say this. We have got to get back to the power of spirit-led prayers. The power and the art of praying through. If I can receive a word from the Lord concerning my destiny through praying in the spirit, I can receive a word from the Lord for America concerning her destiny. And I can begin to declare it over our country. If I could pray through the Spirit and in the Spirit for the healing of Bertie Lou, I can pray through the Spirit and in the Spirit for America. For the healing of America. How many believe America needs a healing? If I could pray in the Spirit to avert disaster for a U.S. congressman, I can pray in the Spirit to avert disaster for America And listen, this is the part that you really need to hear. And so can you. Imagine with me, if you will, the things that might be accomplished in our great nation if millions of born-again, spirit-filled Christians began to pray in the spirit for America and for our leaders. Imagine. 
Imagine the plans of the enemy that would be shut down and come to nothing. Imagine the progress we would make as a nation and the inroads that would be open for the gospel to be preached all over our land. Let's commit as a people of God to get back to that kind of praying, especially in this season. That kind of fervent, spirit-led intercession, especially for America. Let's get back to praying through like the old-time Pentecostals used to do. We can be trendy, and we can be relevant, and we can still use those things that we know work. Amen. Let's pray through for America. Our state, our nation, our world, our church are desperate for that kind of prayer to be offered up to God once again at such a time as this. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Dr. Forrest's series, Tools of Prayer for America. If you are blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us, and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.